Romans, the sixth chapter, and we're going to begin once again with verses 11 through 14. Romans 6, 11 through 14, I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, even now, I pray, Lord, again, help the distractions be few. Lord, help us to fight the good fight of faith, even as we come to worship, to, to hear your word. Lord, help us to fight the fight of faith. Because we know the enemy will try to do everything to distract. So, Lord, help us. Help us, I pray. Let your word speak. Let your spirit move in the midst of everyone here today. Help us to hear from you. Help us to have ears to hear. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. I I hope if if you've got a a device or something that you can go to the scripture since we don't have screens, we're not, uh, I, I hope we haven't, by having those screens made it where you don't think you need to carry your Bible or made it to where you don't need to read along or made it to where you don't need to take notes. I I hope we haven't done that by having those screens. And, And so today, let's look at verse 14. Verse 14, I don't think we have in particular looked at that verse. I know we've talked about it. And I, I know we've talked about what it means, but let's, let's start there this morning, uh, as, as we get to where Paul is going to be getting to starting in verse 15. So verse 14 says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. You see, for the born-again child of God, we are no longer under law, but rather we are under grace. And this is speaking of identity now. This is speaking of our position in Christ, our righteous standing before God. No longer in sin, but under grace. You see, for those yet under the law or under law, it means they are trusting in their law keeping to justify them. That keeping the law is their means to righteousness. And we've looked at that in chapters prior. That it is a salvation of works, a salvation of law keeping. And we know this is not true. Uh, The law cannot save. It never could and it never will. It can only condemn. It can only reveal sin. But under grace, 
That means our justification is a gift of grace on the basis of Christ's righteousness. Christ's perfect obedience of faith in doing the Father's will. What was the Father's will? That He would come. That He would give Himself a sacrifice for sin upon the cross. So the born again believer is saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. You know that. If you want to turn there. But I'm hoping we have this memorized perhaps by now. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not of works lest anyone should boast. So we're saved by grace. We didn't earn it. We didn't work for it to earn it. We didn't deserve it. It was a free gift of grace. Justification by grace through faith apart from works of the law. Galatians 2. Galatians 2. And if you go to verse 16. Galatians 2 verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Let me pause there for a minute. Does it get any plainer than that right there? We know, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. If if there's ever a single verse in Scripture that talks of this, it's right there. So Galatians 2.16. We are justified by faith alone in Christ alone, no other way. It is by grace that faith came to every true believer. It wasn't our intellect. It wasn't our good works. In Romans, remember uh, we talked about this. We preached sermons that talked about this where Paul was addressing uh, the the Jews of the day and, and saying it must be a justification by grace, not of your heritage, not of your saying, but we are of our father Abraham. It's not of their circumcision. It's not of their ritual or any other thing that they might be saved. It is only by grace through faith. And remember, they just kept saying, but Paul, we don't need your justification by faith because we have this and this and this. And all of those things mean nothing in regard to our justification in Titus 3 Verses 4 through 7. Titus 3, 4 through 7. Again, this is a passage that we we have read so much, so much. Titus 3, verses 4 through 7. Again, this is the Apostle Paul. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, not by law keeping, not by any of those things, not any of those externals, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. How? Through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus, our Savior, that having having been justified by his grace, we should now become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Not justified by the law, 
but by grace through Christ, according to the hope of eternal life. A person is either under grace or under law. How often have we used the, you're either this or this. You're either under grace or you're under law. There is no other choices. And call it what you want. Saved, lost, redeemed, unredeemed, believer, unbeliever. Ever how you want to categorize it. There's only two. And you're in one or the other. In Romans 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. By the law is the knowledge of sin. What, what, what's that saying? We, we preached on this. And again, I, I always wonder how much we recall because I can go back and read some of the old sermons and go, Oh man, that's, and, and recalling it again for myself. No flesh will be justified in his sight according to the law. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Remember Paul saying, how would I have known sin unless the law had told me? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt. The, the law revealed sin, told us of sin, gave us knowledge of sin. Then in Romans 3 verse 28, and, and again, th- this is everything that Paul said as, as we're getting now up into Romans 6, but this is in Romans 3, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So he's making this conclusion back in chapter 3, but he's still talking about it in chapter 6, and he's going to continue to keep talking about these things. The law was never a means to justification. It was never a way by which a man could be saved from their sin. In Galatians uh, 3, once again, let, let, let's, let's read uh, 21 and 22. Galatians 3, 21 and 22. And just a reminder of this, and I'll say it once again. How consistent is the Apostle Paul in his teaching? Whether it's to the Romans, whether it's to the Galatians, whether it's to the Corinthians, his message is the same. And it's the same because it's being inspired by the Holy Spirit through him. So Galatians 3, verses 21 through 22. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But there wasn't, was there? But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to all those who believe. So the law has confined all under sin. No one could perfectly keep the law. No one was perfect except one, Jesus Christ. And let us all re- always remember, he was not born of the seed of Adam, was he? He was born of God, born of God, a virgin birth. So the law never was, and even still never is, a way to salvation. 
The Jews don't have a special deal. They may think they do, but there's not. There is only salvation by grace through faith. There is no other way to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. And if they reject Christ as Messiah, what way do they have? They have none. All the world guilty before God, whether Jew or Greek, Gentile, all the world guilty. That's, that's Paul in Romans 3 said that, charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. In Romans 3.10, you know this, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, not one. All under the law, all born under the law, all born in sin of the seed of Adam. Adam's sin imputed to us. All in sin, all guilty before God, none righteous. All have received the imputed sin of Adam. And we've talked about this, but glory to God for the born again. We have received what? The imputed righteousness of Christ. We are no longer under the reign of sin and death in Adam. We now live under the reign of grace and eternal life in Christ. And we have been called to spiritual life in Him. A new creation, born of God. We are no longer dead in our trespasses and sins, but we have been raised to newness of life in Christ. The old man, the old woman, the old boy, the old girl, dead for all those who are in Christ. We have been raised a new spiritual creature. We are a new creation in Christ. Our sins forgiven, covered by the blood of Jesus. Jesus, who upon the cross took upon himself our sins. Jesus, who bore the wrath of God that was poured out upon that sin that he took upon himself. Why? So that we might be free. So that we might have a way to God the Father. So that we might be justified by grace through faith. For the true born again child of God, that is now our position. That is now our right standing before God the Father in Christ. And as I said, I believe it was last week, and probably if I've said many times, it is very important, child of God, that you understand that. That you have a firm footing and foundation that you know who you are. Because when temptation comes, when the cares of the world, when all these other things come, we must know who we are so that we might live out who we are. That verse 14 in Romans 6 again, just let me read it. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Well, sin shall not have dominion over you. Let let me first say this, and then we're going to explain. It's a statement of fact. Okay? Are you with me on that? It's a statement of fact. Sin shall not have dominion over you, child of God. Know that. It shall not have dominion over you. What does that mean? It means that the penalty for our sins, past, present, and future, have been paid in full by the blood of Christ. The, The penalty for sin has been paid. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Because we have died to Christ 
into sin. And we have risen with Him in newness of life. A life of righteousness in Christ. We are no longer under the lordship of sin. We are under the lordship of Christ. Free from the penalty of sin. And now you probably know what I'm getting ready to say next. We're free from the penalty of sin, but while we're yet walking around in these mortal bodies on this earth, are we free from the power of sin? No. Do we still sin? Yes. And we are to... I I pray that when a child of God sins, I, I pray immediately there is a conviction over that sin. I pray there is. I pray that we've not become calloused by repetitive sin over and over and over again because there there is a dangerous line there that if you practice sin, it is your way of life, it is all you do, then what's the Word of God say about that? Then you're not His. If it's momentary... And when you use a word like momentary, then will will preacher tell me what's momentary? Is that a day? Is that two days? Is that a week? I can't tell you that. But this I know, and we've said this over and over again, because the Bible says it's true that we as his sheep who go astray, who sin, he will not leave us out there, but the good shepherd will come for us and bring us back. And in coming for us, be ready for, if need be, discipline. He disciplines those he loves. Why would he discipline us? Because we sin. Because we sin. Now, he will send trials and tribulations our way to grow our faith. But but, but I believe that the, the only reason... It seems to me to be disciplined would be because we have stepped into sin. And then he will discipline us to bring us back. Yes, we will go through trials and temptations. To me, that's a different category. I hope I'm making sense when I say that. That is for our good that we might grow by learning to trust him more, you see. But for the child of God, we are under the lordship now of Jesus Christ and his righteousness, free from the penalty of sin. But we are still, while we're on this earth in these mortal bodies, we have to deal with the power of sin. And I know we've talked about that a lot. We still sin, yes. And I'm just going to kind of address this because th- this is things that I've been asked throughout the years. Okay. So I'm a child of God, but then I sin. I, I, I sin. Well, 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 as a believer, well, preacher, do I lose my salvation? Let me ask you, child of God, born again believer, if you sin, do you lose your salvation? See, if you, again, if you don't quickly say, no, I failed in my preaching, I really have to get across what the Word of God says. If we're His child, we are forever His child. Amen? What can separate us from Him? Nothing. We are His child. Now granted, while we are, if we are in sin, for those times that we are in sin, we are a disobedient child. And then that's where we may fall under His discipline. 
But nothing, nothing will take us out of his hand. And I know I read this a lot. It's in John, the 10th chapter. Uh, You've heard this, you've heard this, you've heard this, where Jesus said, my sheep, it's verses 27 through 29, John 10, 27 through 29, my sheep hear my voice. Well, who's his sheep? The children of God, his children. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Child of God, find assurance in that. Find assurance in that. And and again, but but it doesn't make sense to me if I if I if I sin and then I die before I I, I can confess that sin. I've heard that sin cannot enter into heaven. I, I've I've heard people say that to me. Sin will not enter into heaven. If you're a child of God and you sin, you die before you could confess your sin, and He is faithful and just to forgive you your sin. Your sin is still forgiven because past, present, future, they're forgiven. You're going to stand before God the Father clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Was there any sin in Christ? No. Am I making sense? Your sins are forgiven. That's who you are. That's your identity. You're a child of God in Christ. Sins forgiven. All sins forgiven, no longer counted against us, no longer imputed to us. Use that accounting term. It will never, never be accounted to us because they have all been accounted, imputed to Christ. Well, then let's sin that grace may abound. See, that that's the logic place to go, isn't it? I've heard it said... If your preaching doesn't make people think that, you're not preaching it right. Because that's the logical place to go. Well, if all my sins are forgiven and they are never going to be accounted to me ever again, except in discipline perhaps while I'm here on earth, but in, in before God the Father, they're imputed to Christ, never to be accounted to me, then while I'm here, let's eat, drink, be merry, sin that grace may abound. We know what Paul said. Certainly not. How absurd to even think that way. As a born again believer, a child of God, you have been given new life. No longer dead, you've been given new life. Because you have been given new life, live as a child of God. Live out who you are. Live out this new creation that you are. No longer living under the reign of sin and death in Adam, but now under the reign of grace and eternal life in Jesus Christ. Our new position in Christ. Our identity in Christ. We cannot live any longer in sin. Isn't that what Paul said? How can we who have died to sin live in it any longer? We can't. How can we still sin? Yes, but we we won't live in it. It won't be our 
Remember we talked about it won't be our permanent dwelling place. It'll just be momentary if we're child of God. We won't live in it. It won't be our practice. Sin no longer defines us. We have new life in Him. And now let's go to Romans 6 verse 15. Paul addresses the same argument from a different perspective. Remember what he said back in in verse one. If you, if you if you got your Bible and you're looking up there, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live it any longer? And now it's like, <laughs> you know, Paul he knows the antagonist. He knows what they're going to say, and so to drive the point home either even further, he brings it again. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Worded a little different, but the same meaning. Certainly not. And then Paul gives the reasons why. Uh, Let's uh, go 16 through 18. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now, we we preached two sermons, one way back uh, in chapter 1 about slaves. We, We preached another one months ago talking about slave we're not going to get into all that you can go back and 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 listen to those if you'd like but here here's what's paul adding what's he saying he's saying as a born-again believer you not only have new life but you have a new master you see what he's saying you have a new master you were slaves of sin But you've been delivered. You've obeyed from the heart. That form, how did it read? Uh, Obeyed from the heart, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. That form, you have been put into the mold of Christ. To be made into the likeness of Christ. That, that, That form, the doctrine of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ to which we were delivered. You've obeyed from the heart. We're going to be reading a verse in a little bit that's going to talk about that very thing. How important is that? To obey, to believe from the heart, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Set free from sin. Sin is no longer our master. Sin no longer has dominion over us. We now live in the reign of grace and eternal life. The Lord is now our master. So you see what Paul is saying. Child of God, you've been given new life. You're living in the reign of grace, no longer in sin. So live, live in this new life. Live as though you are who you are. Child of God, having been saved by grace through faith, you have a new master. Sin is no longer your master. Sin will no longer have dominion over you, do you see? But now your master is our Lord. 
our Lord, our Lord. And so yield every aspect of your life to him. Your life, your body is his. The members, don't present your members as instruments of righteousness. Don't do those things. Don't be a faithful servant, slave. And we talked about the difference between a servant and slave. You're more than a servant. You're a slave. You're a slave because you've been bought. You see? See, a servant is hired and they earn a wage. But a slave has been purchased. See, there's a difference there. And we've been purchased. And, and that's true. Our, our body, We are not our own. We're not our own. You, you read this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You have been bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And what was the price, child of God, that purchased us? The death of Jesus Christ. That's the price. That's the cost to purchase my salvation and yours, that it took the death of God's only Son. And Paul is saying, because you have received new life in Christ, live as who you are, because you have a new master, no longer, don't, don't go back and try serving the old master anymore. Do, do, do you see what he's saying? Don't go back and try to live that old life anymore. Don't, don't give your members of your body over because for the child of God, for us to go into sin, we have relinquished something to Satan or to the temptation, have we not? We have relinquished something, our mind, our hands, our mouth, our something we have relinquished willingly. And so Paul is saying, don't do that. Don't present, don't, don't give opportunity for your members to be used as instruments of unrighteousness. Don't live that life any longer. That's not who you are. And now he is saying from this perspective, don't follow the old master anymore. You have a new master, the Lord. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to end this way. I'm going to ask in your mind, you answer as best you think you can. Who is your master? Who's your master? Who do you serve? Is it sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? That's, that's straight from the Word of God. You're serving one or the other. Who is your master? There is no other. There is no other. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew six twenty four. says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can only serve one master. Who are you serving? Who are you serving? Because this I know, this I know. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. 
He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. He didn't come to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. The world was already fallen. We were all under the sin of Adam, all in sin, serving that master. And then Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb, to give his life a ransom for many, to pay in full the penalty of sin for all those who believe. So by faith, believe and receive Jesus Christ. I know I have said this and I've asked this over and over again until the day I die or the Lord takes me away. Ever how this is going to go, I'm going to keep saying this over and over and over again because it determines your eternal destiny. There's only two choices. You can bring that down. There's only two choices, heaven or hell. Two choices. And it's determined by who is your master. Just let me read these. In John 5, verse 24, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. John 3, verse 36 John 3, verse 36, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So you're either seeing life in Christ or the wrath of God is abiding on you. It's, it's the difference between the masters. Who is your master? John six forty seven, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. So by grace through faith, believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and repent. In Romans 10 verses 9 through 13 that we read probably every Sunday, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, see there that is again, believe in your heart, believe in your heart with all your being, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if there's anyone listening who's yet lost, I pray, I pray, that God, through the Holy Spirit, through the truth of His Word, will open eyes to see. And, and by that meaning, raise to newness of life those who are dead in trespasses and sins. That they might see His holiness, see God for who He is, that they might see their sin, that they might see the cross of Jesus Christ, see the rescue that they might repent of their sin, that confessing their sin, receiving Christ, believing, living for Him the rest of their days. But for those of us who are born again, there's, there's two verses, man, that's, that's for us that was in that Romans 6. I don't know how well you caught it as we was reading through it. May we thank God every day for what He has done for us. Because He says there in verses 17 and 18, but God be thanked. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, 
yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. God be thanked. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I I give you thanks. I give you thanks that one day you called me You called me (laughs) from the tomb of sin and despair. You called me from my deadness. And by your grace, through faith, I could see. I could understand that I was a sinner. I could see the cross of Christ, the gospel of Christ that I'd heard, that I'd heard, that I'd heard, and it became real to me. And it became real because, because you called me, because you poured your love into me and you, and you, and you drew me to yourself, Father, that I have new life because of Christ. I have a new master because you saved me. And you made me your own. And so, Father, may every born-again believer never cease from giving thanks for what you have done, for what you have made us, from where you have brought us from. So, Lord, help us to never, never cease to give thanks. And that we may follow what Paul has been trying to get over to us, that, that we may not turn over members of our body our, the inst- to be used as instruments of, our, of righteousness. Father, we, how could we do such a thing? How could I do such a thing? And how could I even think about going back into any aspect of life in my old master? So, Father, when we... Enter into sin, whether it is stumbling in, whether it's premeditated, which I suppose it's all premeditated to some degree. But Father, I pray that immediately you will convict us by your Holy Spirit and by the truth of your word, convict us. And then we know that if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not that we lost our salvation, but we were a disobedient child during those moments. And Father, we want to be living in your favor, not a disobedient child. And so, Father, again, if there should be one here who is lost or is listening to this who is lost, I pray that by a miracle of, of mercy, and of grace that you would call them by name, that you would draw them to yourself, letting them see who they are as sinner in need of a Savior, and show them the rescue, show them Christ, make it all alive and real to them. Father, and grant them faith to believe. Grant them repentance as they confess their sins. And Lord, help them to live the rest of their days as they have believed in Christ, confessing Him as Lord, 
Help them to live for you the remainder of their days. So help us, Father. Help us to do these things, to not submit our members as instruments of righteousness. Help us that we would no longer even have a desire to serve the old master. So help us, Lord, to shine as lights in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. Help us to shine the light of Christ to others. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.